Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week's podcast marks our 100th out of all of the numbers in the universe. I think 100 is probably one of the best. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Speaking of numbers, for this week's podcast, we also wanted to do something kind of like a best ofs, but more of a, a recommendation. We thought we would take the concept of the 12 days of Christmas, but then not really do that. Instead, <laughs> we thought we'd take the 12 days of playing games or something of that Yeah, nature. well, it's the holidays and you're going to go home and you're going to have time to play games with family, play games with friends. Maybe yourself. yourself. Yeah. If you're like me. Then you have plenty of options if you're like Chris. If you are looking for some things, you might have uh, a little bit of help from our game master here. Um, as you guys know, every two weeks we hold a public game night where everybody's invited to come over, play a bunch of games, learn new ones, bring their own. Um, and a lot of times we have themes that are are sometimes related to the shows, but a lot of times they're just really variable. So um, we have one coming up this Wednesday called Stay Frosty, uh, which is very fitting for this time of year. Do you want to talk about that, Chris? Yeah, Stay Frosty is a theme about the winter time. So there are going to be games that feature snow, ice, and all sorts of frosty delights heavily. And we're going to be playing games like Dead of Winter, where it is the dead of winter and you are trying to survive <laughs> through a zombie apocalypse um it's more about interacting with i, I don't even know dozens of characters there's a lot dozens of, characters. of characters yeah there's think, a lot yeah. of different characters who are all unique and have different uh special abilities and personalities and there also is the possibility of a traitor so it's a it's a very it kind of is influenced by the walking deads um you can trust the zombies are kind of like an outside distraction and the people are your real problem and we're also going to be playing games like possibly Arctic Scavengers, which is another horrible cutthroat game. <laughs> but we'll play some other ones that are just um, pretty and about ice, too. So That's all cool. sorts Is of that stuff. what happens in the winter? Everyone's just out for themselves? I guess. In a winter apocalypse. Yeah, save yourself. <laughs> so yeah, save Or, yeah, traitor, be a traitor. That's what Those happens the around rules. here. Every day it snows, and then all of a sudden it's all for yourself. Yeah, well, I feel like while we were thinking about all the time that you have to spend inside, I think it's it's works pretty well that we've got a pile of games that we can play yeah i get excited about the winter months because then i'm like no one's gonna want to go outside and they're just gonna want to play these giant stacking games I it's have your dream come true so so we'll start with 12 number 12 so when you think of 12 you think of what big party games big party games yeah and so if you were to think about the best party games that you could recommend for somebody who's going over to a big family gathering or like a giant group of people what are the ones that you say would be the best options? Um, well, one right off the bat that is a giant game. It can play pretty much anyone, and, and you can even play a non-official version of this, is Telestrations. And that is a game that Callie actually brought a version of it to Iceland. And that's basically, I guess you could think of it as... It's like telephone. It's telephone meets Pictionary, I guess. So you come up with a phrase and then you draw it and then the person looks at it and you hand the paper to the side and you continually uh, interpret the drawings and then redraw it and you go around the room and then once it gets back to you it's usually something horribly mutated from what you originally had yes. but it's pretty fun it's a funny yeah. it's a laugh out loud game if i've ever seen one it, it might even be a cry out loud game i yeah. think i had a couple tears in there of joy so yeah. Yeah, that was a really good one for groups for sure because everybody's kind of, you know, working at the same time and then passing it along. And you definitely don't have to be artists or anything like that. You can... I think fact, that makes it, it better. It probably even makes it harder to play with artists because they are... Or not harder, but... They're just more accurate. They're more accurate. Yeah. But so, they also yeah. stress out about more about the drawings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good one. What other games do we have that are built for massive amounts well, of people? Well, I... Okay. Like Masquerade, I'm all about the sabotage, confusing lying games. Yeah, and Masquerade is a really simple game. You just have characters and you have to get to, I think it's $12, $13. 13, because I think it, oh, it's yeah, easy yeah, to get to right. 12 Getting that last dollar is hard. But in this game, you each have a roll. But the trick is you look at your roll once and show everyone else, and then you put your roll face down. And when you then, say roll, you don't mean roll of dice. No, you I mean, mean roll as in character. Like the king could take three gold or the jester can like switch two people's cards. There's probably up to 20 rolls or so with the expansion and everything. Um, 
but you basically everyone knows what their ability is but then on your turn you can take someone else's card and go under the table and either switch them or just pretend to switch them only you know for sure and you give it back to the player and then now they're not so sure what their role is and eventually no one's sure what their role is so it's a lot of guessing lying bluffing calling people out it's a really fun game and it plays a lot of people and no one ever really knows what you're doing so you're not quite lying it's not like necessarily a lie to someone's face because you might be sure there's more often than not you're sure you're like i'm definitely the peasant i get to do this and then they're like i think i'm the peasant and then then you flip your cards over and find out who is right and you could have been wrong the whole time right you're like i could be this one sometimes sometimes more people will all claim it and none of them will have been (laughs) right (laughs) and what does it take maybe 20 minutes to play a, a round of that or um yeah 20 30 minutes yeah. Depending on how, I mean, it can go really fast if things go poorly. So, yeah. um, and then the last one, or maybe not the last one, but uh, Ultimate Werewolf is a good game if you have people who are in the mood to play it, and it can play a room of people. You could play it. I think it says on the box it plays up to seventy six or something like what? that. What? That is ridiculous. And who it's just, is going to put seventy? Okay. We might put seventy. A convention. I mean, it's a convention there. game, so but a lot of times like, they'll oh play it at conventions or classrooms. It's a really good game. You can play with students, things like that. I mean, you could play it at a family reunion, something like that. It's also called um, Mafia in some groups, but Mm -hmm. it's basically um, someone is, everyone closes their eyes and people get to kill people and you're trying to vote on who they think the werewolf is. And then... um, Are there pieces to this game or is it just like kind of a role playing? There's just cards that tell you who you are. It tells you if you're a werewolf or a villager. And there's Ah. also special roles that you can add to the game, like the seer who knows who certain people are and, uh, and and there's a tanner who wants to die so he's kind of pretending to be the werewolf just enough so that people will pick him and if he dies he wins the game so there's a bunch of different um rules you can add to it but it's a pretty big social game that's pretty easy and fun and then for this game and and the last game in masquerade are these pretty these are pretty inexpensive games too right just in the grand scheme of things yeah i would say um i think masquerade retails for like 25 and then you can probably find it for much less on amazon or something but Mm -hmm. Werewolf is similar, but you could easily just print and play your own werewolf. You could play werewolf by just, if you knew the rules, you could just take note cards and write werewolf and then Yeah, I've even played it with like a deck of cards and we said like the three of whatever is this and the five is this. Um, So it's really easy to play no matter what you have around. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And then one of my favorite ones, uh, and (laughs) because everything I do is for for 90 year olds and up yeah (laughs) so that's where the the number count is um ravensburger has a ton of amazing puzzles i love making puzzles with my parents i love just throwing it all on the floor and trying to figure out how to put it all together i feel like there is a lot of great stuff about puzzles and you can play puzzles with a lot of people we went to minicon they had puzzles just like out on tables and you could just sit down and people would be kind of eating or hanging out it's addicting and they would, and people would just come in, and it's kind of like a way to socially interact without. It's not quite as structured as a game, and you can just come in and look around and be like, "Oh, here's a green piece. This one probably goes here." And then you kind of like helped out, and you also in, entered into this group group activity. So mm, I think yeah. puzzles are actually pretty pretty good. I don't know if I want to do them like all day or all night. I want to do them all day and all night. But the the nice thing is those again, of course, have a bunch of great imagery on it, and it's it's just an cool easy imagery. thing to pick up too. And it's great to bring over to a bunch like family gathering or something like that. But Ravensburger in particular is a great brand. Um I love everything they do and we'll probably talk about more of what they do in future games, but yeah. mostly I just like sorting things. And I feel like anybody that's got a little bit of that compulsion will enjoy <laughs> it is and some people like love it like all they do is grab piles and sort them and then hand them to people and be like i see you're working on white here's all the white pieces that's me so i feel <laughs> i feel like that's an appropriate masters. thing so those are like great numbers groups of people games um and again those are pretty inexpensive too if you're looking for something to pick up or just to get as a gift and then so let's move to 11 so when we were thinking about the number 11, we were thinking about the evening times. <laughs> like after 11 p.m. After, after 11 dark, p.m. After dark. Maybe the, the children have gone to bed if there are any children anywhere. <laughs> maybe there never were any children. Uh, and what kind of games would you play if you're sitting around with a drink and a bunch of friends? 
Um, well, I think one of the first ones that a lot of people might play is a love it or hate it game called Cards Against Humanity, which is a good game to play if you want to ruin friendships with people who you don't quite know what their personal boundaries are. But <laughs> <laughs> So either be very comfortable with people or just go out on a limb. Yeah. But I probably wouldn't play it in with people I didn't know. No, and you probably shouldn't play it with your family. And you, no. Well, it depends on your family. I don't know. Man, maybe. <laughs> don't, don't you participate in their like holiday thing? I do. You know, I don't even particularly love playing the game that much anymore because I feel like it's kind of a, like once you've seen everything, you're kind of like, haha, it's funny. But they have really good holiday promotions, which they just started doing last year. And you sign up and I think it's like $15 and they send you holiday presents for 12 days. And... um the first year, they the first thing they sent me was a lump of coal and a note that said you sent fifteen dollars to a stranger on the internet. Congratulations! And then they gave me a piece of a little shard of coal. But the last one was <laughs> a card with my name on it, which was pretty amazing. That's a pretty awesome thing to be able to add to it. Um, and I did it again just out of curiosity this year. And then the first thing they sent me was now I can't remember what it is exactly, but it says uh, it says here uh, lies Chris Heine, nineteen eighty one, with to my actual birthday on it. Yeah, friend of all. Lover of blank. And then the second card is the card that you pair with it. And it uh-huh. says Chris Heine's butt. Which is funny <laughs> on several levels. Yeah, I guess I should explain it. It's kind of like a game like apples to apples. You basically just have a card that has a blank on it. And then you have other cards that fill in the blanks. And you're just supposed to pick the thing you think fills in the blank the best. And they are all crude, lewd, and inappropriate. So, Yes, it's um, fun for all. Fun for all. Yeah. So what other games might you play as um, it's nearing the midnight hour? Uh, another one that's similar to that, and if you don't want to go the tasteless route, you could get Say Anything, which is similar, except they come with little um, whiteboards and you fill in the answers yourself. But basically, um, let's say Jenny said, what's my favorite kind of ice cream or something like that? We would all fill in answers that we think Jenny would like because she's going to pick the answer. So maybe... Lindsay would say marshmallow because she knows Jenny loves marshmallows, but maybe I would say poop. <laughs> <laughs> poop ice cream. So Poop ice cream. Um, but it's a pretty funny game. If you, if you play with the right people, you have to play that game with people you know just because it's mainly based around inside jokes and knowing, and knowing people's preferences. But it's a, it's a good one, especially for families and close groups of friends. And then there's one called True Colors, right? Yep. And that is, I have actually never played True Colors. Is that a, a friendship ruining game? That is the game that, yeah, has ruined marriages and friendships. And basically that one, it's a really simple concept. <laughs> so you played after 11 so that you can go oh, home. Oh, I did play then... it. I played it with Ian. And we, did you ruin your Francesca friendship? wouldn't play. So we played Francesca as a dummy character and we just picked answers that we thought Francesca would pick. But basically it's a game where everyone wears a little colored pin. So maybe I'm red, you're yellow, Jenny's blue. Uh-huh. And there's a question and it says, who is the best looking person in the room? And then you basically have to cast a vote and you can cast two votes. And so it's all pretty fun in games. But feelings... I mean, are they bad too? Are they like, who's the dumbest, stupidest idiot in They're this They're not room? quite that bad, but they might be like, who, who would you never lend money to? Okay. And well, then like, so, or like... I feel like you can't be that offended because if you get, if you're the one that's picked... For the answer to that one, there's probably a reason why no one's going to lend you any money. So you could or probably be like, everyone You're in right. the room is nice, and so then they're like, "Probably me. You shouldn't lend me any money because you guys are sweet <laughs> angels, sweet baby angels." So it's just a it's just a f- an interesting game. It's notorious for being a um, friendship wrecker, though. So that's really funny. I actually found it at Half Price Books on the free shelf, and I was like, uh, "Not on the free shelf, but at and Half Price Books." And you touched it, and its aura and I was resonated like, oh, out. Oh my gosh, I have to get this just in case, and then I will threaten people to play it every <laughs> once in a while. All of its negative energy just seeped into your hand. But I think with the right group and a few drinks, it could probably be a pretty good time. That's funny. Well, here's a, a totally different version. Let's move on to ten. So when we thought about ten, we thought about the perfect ten. Okay. So it's absolutely perfect games. You can't find anything wrong with them. You would play them like all day, every day. So what were your, your top games? Okay. Well, I think I, we each picked one, right? Uh, I did think... Did you pick one? I did not pick one. Okay. Well, the first thing I guess I'd want to say is some people have an idea that there is no such thing as a perfect game. 
And I think that's silly. I think it's not perfect in the fact that it has no flaws, but it's your like number one game. It's your go-to game? It's your go-to game. Yeah. And for me, I would pick Skulls. It's also called sometimes Skulls and Roses. And this was something or I think we... Or just Skull. Or just Skull. It's actually just called Skull. Yeah, I guess. I think it originally was called Skull and Roses. But it's a really simple game. You can play it with anybody. You can play it with coasters. You can make it yourself. I actually did teach somebody, even though I own the game and I own a really beautiful version of it. I didn't have it one day, so I just was like, oh, you have to play this game. It's the best game. I took postcards from our gallery, and I just drew X's on the back of one, and I gave everyone three regular postcards and one with an X, and that's all you need to play the game. It's a lying game. It's like poker without the game, and it's just pure bluffing. It is amazing, and I feel like it is the the most distilled version of a pure game, and I, I think it's just absolutely ex- excellent, and I encourage everyone to play it. You can probably find the rules really easily. You don't need to buy the game. It's worth buying the game, though. I feel like when you're holding those little, like, circular, almost coaster-like things, it is a lot of fun. The artwork's awesome. Mm -hmm. I was actually, I don't know why I was looking at it, but I was looking it up the other day. Oh, that's why. I was looking for for presents for people, and I was reading the reviews of it, because I know you speak really highly of it, but every single person's like, oh, it's this renowned designer, and it's this really wonderful you know, like aesthetic, like each each color has its own type of flower and its own type of skull. It's like influenced by a different, you know, uh, iconography and all sorts of cool stuff. It's a totally awesome looking game too, just artwork wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think just because it's so perfect and you explain the game and there's so few rules and it's so simple that most people look at you blindly and they're just like, how is this even a game? But as soon as you start playing, everyone is laughing and having a good time and stressing out and making hard decisions and looking each other in the eye and trying to second guess everyone else. So it's a really excellent game. (laughs) And so Jenny, you have a perfect 10 game, don't you? I do. Well, I have a couple that I really like. I am a huge, huge fan of card games, just like regular playing cards. Um, so some of my favorite games are like rummy. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really like Egyptian Rat Screw. I don't know if you guys have played that. Mm, I do know that game. But I like games that are just like fun and clever and really awesome. Um, But my favorite board game, I think, is Pandemic. I really enjoy it. Um, So for those of you guys who haven't played it, I think there's a couple expansions out now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get a role and you are going around like a globe. Um, trying to get rid of diseases that are happening and there's outbreaks and lots of panic and most of the time you lose the game but it's a it's a cooperative game and it's super fun um so I, I actually I, really like that one yeah, too it's good i think it's one of the best that you can just like introduce someone to hasn't who that hasn't played a board game besides like monopoly or something and they don't really know the the breadth of experiences that board games can offer and they'd be like this is what's going on now i don't you know like well i like cooperative games because it is like you can kind of help i mean you're, the point is to help everybody you can teach somebody without like basically throwing the game and being like show me your cards that they're their secret yeah but i mean like when you watch how somebody's doing something you're like i'm gonna do this and then the cool next thing you could do is this and then yeah. we are gonna maybe get closer to winning. right the so. cool thing about the game too is a lot of the roles work together well like if somebody in the game um, can transfer their cards and another person needs less cards to cure a disease a lot of the time you'll pair up with people or you'll be like and i'll fly you to here mm-hmm. and meet up with you at the like center over here and so it's it is really, kind of like teamwork the game yeah yeah <laughs> and it always usually comes down to like the last couple moves and so it's really like exhilarating at the end where you're like and then if you do this and if we don't get an outbreak then we may possibly maybe we'll win yeah and, and so. that one's not that expensive either is it um I mean, I think it's like thirty on Amazon or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah, but it's definitely I, it's worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. I really like. The yeah, game. and all these designer games are more expensive than maybe people are used to spending on like a Monopoly or something like that. But but they're yeah. actually fun, and you can find deals, <laughs> and, they're, and they're actually fun. fun. Yeah. But Monopoly goes on the list of of games where you want to throw it in the garbage, except for that little dog, because I like that little dog piece. The pieces are kind of cool. Yeah, and that boot yeah. and that iron. I like the car. <laughs> the iron? Yep. The I don't know why there's they a little hat. that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why those things. I'm sure there's a reason at some point, but... Oh, okay, number nine. Because we couldn't figure out a good reason that nine fit with anything. We were like, ah, oh, some people might have a nine-year-old cousin. 
<laughs> so we thought, what the heck? This is family games. So I don't know how that relates, but it does. I don't know. know. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like nine is an age where they're old enough that I don't know. I don't know anything about kids. So maybe. Yeah, I don't know anything about kids either. So, okay. So if you have to play some games and there are kids there. Yeah. What games would you say are the most appropriate? Um, I think a great family game, one of my favorite, this is almost, this probably could have been on my 10 list because I actually think it's a really great game and it, it's just like one of the best games besides pandemic. If you wanted a competitive game that I would just give to somebody to say, check this game out, I'd probably give them ticket to ride and it's got incredibly simple rule set and it can be played on a very simple level and it can be played on a very cutthroat level depending on who you're playing with. But ticket to ride is a simple game where you're just building train routes you're collecting its set man, you know, set collection. You're collecting similar colors to build these train routes, but there's just a lot of depth and variety to the game. And I think you can play it with anybody from, I don't know, seven or eight, maybe to, you know, a hundred thousand years old, a hundred thousand years old. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant people. And I was like, no, no, no. It only plays, I think before five people, five people. (laughs) A hundred thousand years old. I like that game. I think it is challenging and it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's a good one. Um, I actually really like Amazing Labyrinth. This is another Ravensburger game. I talk about it every time we talk about games. I played it when I was a kid, and I still play it. And so every time we have board game night and I get to go, I pull it out because it, for some reason it's still actually super challenging. It is an amazingly good. I mean, it's for young kids. Like I think I'm not sure what the age range is, but I bet it starts at like I'm three sure or four. I'm sure you could play it. Yeah, if you were like four years old. <laughs> but, but for being such like we, I do play it, and I'm actually interested in it. And I think that you can. There's enough going on that you can actually make some real decisions and be good at it which i think a lot of children's games you cannot be good at you can't be good at Candyland. you can't be good at sorry but the the thing that makes this game unique is that the board is movable and right. so there are a bunch of tiles that fit every which way and there's an extra tile that you use to push into some of the channels of other tiles so one flies off the other end you pick it up you put it somewhere else and another tile flies off a different end and so there's this crisscrossing of all these little pieces and as you move the pieces the labyrinth itself changes so there are elbow-shaped passageways and T-shaped passageways and things like that. So what your goal is, is at the beginning of the game, you're given a set of cards, and you can only look at the top one. And you have to build the labyrinth or move the labyrinth and shift it so that you can make a new pathway to this piece of treasure or this ghost yeah, or this troll icons that you're on getting. Some of the, there's drawings on some of the tiles. So like a tile might have a you know, a like candle a genie stick lamp. on it or something. Yeah, or and you a have jewel. To get to it, but it's always shifting and always changing. And that's the best part is that you can kind of tell what somebody else is trying to do by what they're do what they're pushing around, and you're trying not to let on where you're headed either. Because again, there is sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple minimal rules, but it's just a really fun game. And I think it was made in the '80s or something like that. So it's got yeah, a really it's funny old, artwork. But it is a, it is a solid game. It's an awesome game, and I think that's a good one to play with. I mean, I you can only play with one. four people, but it's a it's a really good one. Yeah, I think it's a great game to play with everyone, actually. And then I think we have a couple other ones that are worth mentioning here for family games. Yeah, um, if you were looking for kind of a next step past Ticket to Ride, but not too far off the deep end, I think Lords of Waterdeep is a really good introduction to the worker placement genre, which is a pretty popular genre in board games. And it's just a simple thing where you are putting little men down on the board and taking resources and using these resources to complete little objectives. But I think it's an awesome game, especially with the expansions that you can just teach anybody. And it's it's got a little bit more complexity than Ticket to Ride. I wouldn't say it's a more difficult game, but it's got a little bit more complexity to the rules. Um, but, so you didn't really describe what it is. So you, you are a lord. <laughs> yes, right? you are and- a lord of Waterdeep. Which makes sense. And you're and trying to you're gain recruiting, resources. And the resources are wizards, rogues, clerics, and warriors. And you're sending them out on your quest. So maybe you need to go and assault the beholder's lair. And in order to do that, you need four warriors, three clerics, and a wizard or something like that. So you're kind of collecting these to turn in quests for points. So I like that it's got a story now. I feel like that's that's half of half of why I play the game too. But I think that one's a really fun game. Right. Yeah. It is a great game and I think that it's another game that 
you can sit down. It's not quite as easily pickupable as Ticket to Ride, but it's pretty close. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Well, let's do this. Let's skip over to probably a pretty decent maximum. So like close family or like a couple people, you know, a couple friends over to your your event or something like that. So an eight person game. So when we think eight, that's still a giant chunk of people. So you have to have a game that can really hold a lot of people's attention and go pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your, your top picks for that? Well, one of my top picks is Cosmic Encounter. It's a pretty old game. It's from the 70s. Right now it's printed by Fantasy Flight and they've really done an awesome job of continuing to support it. And if you buy the expansions, you can play, I believe, up to eight players, maybe even more. But I think eight players is what it caps out at. And it is a game of negotiation alliances and it's in a great space in space yes it's cosmic it is all about aliens and every alien has a different power and sometimes they are hilariously overpowered or underpowered but it's sort of about looking at who's at the table with you and making alliances with the people you need to make alliances with to keep the people who are too strong from winning and the great and funny thing about it is there can be if you're playing an eight player game there can be seven winners but there always has to be at least one loser. That poor, sad, single loser. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, always a loser. Once a loser, always a loser. That's what I'm going to say to the next time that we play this game with anybody. Yeah. And Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> and it has happened. I mean, I've never, I don't think I've seen everyone except for one person win, but I definitely have seen mutual victories. And we actually play this at game night sometimes. And we did play a very large game with, I believe, the full complement of players. And a lot of the people were new to the game, but it, it came down to... Were you at that event? I was. I think we even had more than eight, but I think there were like teams of people. Oh, yeah, a couple so people had like made teams. there was 12 or so trying to play. But it was... It came down to one of the most exciting, nail-biting conclusions that I've ever seen in a game. It was amazing. So I think that Cosmic Encounter is great. And it has a special place on a lot of people's top 10 lists. Like I've seen a lot, a few people who have like a list of best games ever, and then they have Space Zero that is reserved for Cosmic Encounter that will never be. It's so good that it's above number one because number one could be replaced. <laughs> huh. So, so it's a pretty amazing game. Cosmic Encounter is actually really excellent. It is a really good game. And then you guys also talked about Bang. Yeah, specifically Bang the Dice game, I think. The card game is good too, but it has a tendency to be able to turn what should be a 20-minute game into an hour-long game. So what is Bang? Um, Bang is a hidden role game where one person is a sheriff, somebody is also a deputy, someone's an outlaw, and then there's renegades. And the, basically... The sheriff is just trying to kill all the bad guys. The deputy just wants the sheriff to stay alive. The outlaws want the sheriff dead. And the renegade wants to kill everyone else. So you basically, you don't know who's who, but you're kind of poking around, taking shots at people, healing other people, trying to figure out who's on your side. Everyone knows who the sheriff is, but other than that, all the roles are invisible. And the dice game did a really good job of taking that formula, but turning it into a game that pretty much can't last any longer than 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, it goes quickly. Quick. And, and that one's a, an eight player? Yep. And, I, and I, I would actually, especially the dice game, I wouldn't recommend with anything less than maybe six. So I think oh. the more you play, the better. I wouldn't even bother pulling that game out if it was only five players, I think. Yeah, because you really need that interplay. You need the interplay of the all of the characters, and the more deputies and the more renegades you get out there. The so if you're like waiting for dinner or something, you could pull this game out. Yeah, it's a really quick game. Once you figure it out, it flies by. I think we played it a game night the other night and did three games or so in under a half hour. So that's cool. Let's move on to seven. When you think of seven, what do you think of? Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. What are the games that push your luck? I guess to start off with, pushing your luck is a mechanic where you are, I mean, it's really familiar with game shows, all that kind of thing, where you're just trying to take one more guess or push it one more further to try to maximize your winning. So um, my favorite push your luck game is probably a really old Sid Saxon game called Can't Stop. It is just a very simple game where you're rolling dice and you kind of take these lanes and Every time you roll that dice, you get to move these little cones up the lane. And you basically get two cones. And as you move the cone up, you can choose to stop rolling. And once you do that, you basically secure your place at wherever you are and you put down the permanent cone. 
So you're always trying to like push your way up this ladder and you could, if you were lucky, win the game basically in one turn if you just continually pushed your luck. But the minute you do not roll a number that matches one of your lanes, you fall all the way back down to where your permanent marker was. So you're kind of always going up. And of course, if you take a middle lane, which is six, seven or eight, you know, it's a much further distance to go than a 11 or 12 on the side, which I think only has like four spaces compared to the 12 in the middle or something. But it's a really simple game. Anyone can play it. And it's a, it's a great, it's, I mean, it's like distilled push your luck. It literally is just pushing your luck. (laughs) (laughs) And can't stop is a perfect name because you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so close. I can't stop. I I just have to roll (laughs) it one more time. And then inevitably you fall all the way back down the ladder. There, There should be a life lesson in there somewhere. There are a couple other ones that you guys have on this list. I have two favorite push your luck games. One is Farkle, which is an awesome dice game. It is similar to Yahtzee, but every time you're rolling five dice and every time you complete a set of five, you can keep rolling. Um, So points, it goes up to 10,000. And in any roll, you could get up to 10,000 maybe, but a couple times you're dealing with like thousands of numbers at a time. And so if you don't, get something and then you'll lose everything all at once so it's a really complicated um like strategy game where you're trying to get things we've also played it where if you decide to stop and keep the number you're at you can pass the dice and the next person has a chance to get it so a lot of the time you're deciding whether you're going to keep going even if it's risky to keep the next person from getting your points so it's kind of complicated but i love it and then the other one i was going to add was cheaty mages that's sort of a push your luck game Kind of. I like this one. Yeah, it is a push your luck game. Yeah, I would say so. Cheaty Mages is a game where you are all watching. You're basically mages watching a combat between monsters and you're betting on which monsters you think will win the combat. And it's it should be really clear because there's like a level nine devil against a level one elf or something like that. But the trick is once everyone puts their bets in, which you put down secretly, everyone then gets to cast spells on all the different contestants. And some of them are cast face down and some of them are cast face up. So you don't know if people are pumping up the strength of the elf or pumping down the strength of the devil or doing all sorts of things. So it's a very chaotic, funny game. And and you don't know if you should just put one more spell on that elf or if he's already too, if he's going to get kicked out for using too much magic or something like that. But it's a really excellent, funny little game. And I like the premise because I just picture you know, all these little little guys in robes sitting around watching these monsters fight and casting spells secretly under their sleeve or something. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played that one, but I'm sure I will have chances to because I, you have it. I do have it, yeah. yeah. So we are going to the number six. Six player game is an excellent level of players because I think Six is right when you kind of, that's a lot of groups are six. One of the best, and Francesca is going to be sad that she's not here to talk about it, is Game of Thrones Second Edition. And it's an amazing game, and especially if you like the source material, you will love this game. It is a commitment and a half because the games can take a really long time. I'm talking like hours. Hours and hours and hours, like four or five, six hours. Oh, wow. So you really got to want to be there. Yes, but it is but it it has so much treachery and negotiation and diplomacy and backstabbing and all sorts of things. And I think you can play it with as little as 3 people, but I think most people agree that you don't get the full experience unless you play with all 6 and and you get, you know, the houses from the the actual books and television show like you know you start out with just the starks the lannisters and the baratheon but you add in the martells and the everything until you get to all six players so it's a really excellent game but you got to be in it to win it in that game and it is so painful i literally have a game where i was starks and i had a perfect plan and i watched this plan unfold for probably three hours only to have it fall apart on the last turn and it was just the i was like it was, it was agonizing. Yeah, it was such a long burn, but it felt really rewarding. I feel because like it almost you were worked. instantly doomed, though, when you picked because I picked the Starks. The Starks. So that might <laughs> have true, been yeah. your fault. I'm not sure. If you're looking for a game that's not five hours long, yeah, then I would recommend a game like King of Tokyo or King of New York, which are sequel to one another. I think you could go with either one, but they're basically like, I always describe it to people when I'm first teaching them, it's Yahtzee with monsters. And you're just rolling big old chunky dice and attacking people and knocking people out. And it's a really, a lot of fun and it plays great with six players. That's a good one. The artwork's really funny for that. It's really like funny and weird and cartoony and yeah. 
So on the flip side for a game that, and we're going to head into the five zone, so five player games, that has a really sweet, beautiful, kind of intricate, quiet thing is Takedo. And Takedo is a luxurious stroll down it's down the coast of Japan in feudal Japanese days. It is adorable. And so you can stop and view the wondrous landscapes. You can bathe with the monkeys in the hot springs. You can eat wonderful food. You can meet some traveling folk. The game itself is about trying to have the best time on your vacation or right. on your stroll yep. as you can. So you're trying to amass this kind of like scrapbook of of times that you're having. So the people that are playing with you are also trying to battle to get these spots. But since only one of you in most cases can be at a certain location at the same time or or at a time or eat food at one time or go and view something at a certain time, um, you have to really decide which things you want to go for. But it's absolutely beautiful. The artwork is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's a leisurely fun game. There's a challenge to it by trying to pick and choose what you want to do and and trying to um, figure out what the other people that are playing against you are trying to do. But I really enjoy that game. And that one, too, you have a role. So you get a little bit of a boost in a certain way in the beginning of the game, and it may or may not help you. Yeah, and I think that's like the ultimate like stroll of a game, like a Sunday stroll. And then uh, you have another one, Key Largo. Yeah, Key Largo is just a really great game. I feel like it's really unappreciated. If I was going to recommend a game for anybody who did kind of like Monopoly, but wanted to play a game that was much better, I would recommend Key Largo. And I think with five people, it is the perfect amount. It's actually the maximum amount of players too. But it's basically you're just working in the Key Largo Islands during the tourist season and you can go diving, take people out to go whale watching. And you basically are just basically making a little economic engine. And the reason it's best with five is because the more people who go to a location, you have to pay more. So if more people want to go to the shop where you get materials, it costs more. You have to carefully think about where you're going to go because you might end up paying more if you end up in in a place that your opponents are at at the same time. And then, uh, Jenny, you've got one for that. So, Hanabi. So, that game is amazing. It's actually a... I don't know how you would describe it, Chris. You're giving cards, but you can't look at your own set of cards. And so, you're sitting in a circle looking at what everyone else has. And on your turn, you have to give somebody one clue about the cards that they have, either color or number. And what you're trying to do is lay cards in order, in color order. So there's, I think, four or five different colors. You have to lay them in order, one, two, three, four, five. And so you're trying to give somebody a hint so that they lay their card at the right time. If you lay it out of order, if you think you have a five and you lay it down, it's the wrong card, then it not only gets discarded, but also the firework chain starts to go off. So if you get to the end, it explodes and you lose the game. So you're trying really <laughs> carefully to like give people the right clues at the right time. I think it's a super fun game and really easy to understand and get into. So Yeah, the hardest like part is to not look at your card when you draw a new card because yeah. your first instinct is to put it in your hand the correct way it's really it's really good and that one's a really easy game to pick up and and play with other people yeah it's super super easy yeah so we have two games on our four player list one of which we made yep we put role models the battle for victor Noll on here and i think that if you're going to play that game four players is the way to play it and role models is a game it's based on poker hands but you can draw a lot more cards than you can in poker. So you are usually getting really good poker hands because you're saving up. And basically, every time you go to war against your enemies, you are using these poker hands as battle formations. There's also variable mercenary cards, mercenary cards that allow you to change a lot of different things about the battle or a lot and kind of they give you benefits or kind of screw over your neighbors. And that's why with four players, it's best because those cards work best when there's options and different ways to use those cards because that's where a lot of the strategy and game comes in so if you're going to play role models i recommend four players is the ultimate way to do it it's great i think people fight for the points a lot more too because each battle is worth a certain number of points that are dictated by a d20 yep. and so higher numbers everybody's all in and they're trying to get the same you know the points but the other thing is that the next winner up of certain battles gets half the points. Right. Second place in a battle gets half points. Yeah, that's what I meant. Second place. So um, so there are a lot of ways to, to kind of shake that one up, which is pretty fun. And then Chris wanted to mention Nexus Ops, which is also a four-player game. That Yeah, and it's a great four-player game. And I just wanted to mention Nexus Ops really quickly. It's a sci-fi game. It's a dudes-on-a-map game 
which is a genre. Dudes of, on a map. <laughs> is that a it's, real thing? Yeah, is that what people? Okay. Yeah, dudes on a map game. It's it's a war game, really. But if you like Risk, then try Nexus Ops because I really feel like it's a step up and it is a really quick, fast, lethal game of dudes on a map warfare cool. it's really great it's one of mine and francesca's and ian's favorite game to play Doesn't it works. look like a bunch of bugs it does and the models are pretty cool looking they're just insects and whatever but the game itself is a little bit busy with its artwork <laughs> i don't know i think it's exciting looking it's, uh well the tiles are pretty busy and hard to look they're at like but if you get past orange. that then it's an excellent excellent game it's actually one of my favorite games and i feel like it's a little bit underappreciated but as we get to the last three as i talk about number three i know that you have been waiting for months to get the final installment of your three-part core set for the D items for dungeons and dragons <laughs> yeah D D books so yeah. because we're talking about games i mean you can't ignore the fact that you need all of the behind the scenes books so you yeah. can create your characters you can find the monsters you have your dungeon master guide like chris you could talk about that yeah the holy trinity of the dungeon and dragons experience is like the player's handbook the monster manual and the dungeon master's guide and wizards of the coast has been putting those out um the fifth edition versions and they put out the player's handbook quite a while ago now but every couple months they release a new one and just last tuesday the dungeon master guide came out it actually came out a couple weeks earlier if you picked it up at like a friendly local game store instead of online or something so i've had it for a few weeks but it really officially just came out on tuesday and i have been reading through them they are all really incredible they're really good books really the artwork's high. cool the artwork is great we know some people who made some of the artwork so oh. it's pretty interesting to see all that stuff i recommend everyone go pick them up at least the player's handbook Actually, no, I scratched that. If you're interested in Dungeons & Dragons, go pick up the Player's Handbook. But if you don't know anything about Dungeons & Dragons, go to Wizards of the Coast Dungeons & Dragons site, and you can download a free starter PDF, and it, I believe, is over 100 pages, and it has everything you need to get playing. That's really and nice. you can try it out and do all sorts of things, make your own characters. It's, it's limited. You can't make everything. But it's definitely a huge amount of things to read through it. It would keep you very, very busy, and it's free, so... There's no so excuse not? not to. Yeah. And I think that all three of these books together, I've been waiting to kind of complete the set and now I have them completed and it feels good. So. <laughs> I think that's a worth, worthy number three. So two player games. It's just you now. Just you and a good friend. Just you and a loved one or you and an enemy. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're sitting around. A loved one, soon to be an enemy. Soon to be an enemy. What games might you pull out if you would like to be a friend or an enemy with just one other person just you well if you wanted to be actually you wouldn't really be friends but one game that you and i like to play (laughs) (laughs) wait a second you're like we are not friends this one is not the most competitive game but it is um jaipur oh i like that yeah i would recommend that to any couples who are looking for a good game just a really quick game you can play with your significant other or friend it's a game of trading, I guess, in Jaipur, and you can collect sets and sell these sets of, of textiles, like, textiles and, and jewels gold. and gold and silver. And you're just trying to get your, I guess the goal, point of the game is to be the best merchant and you get a seal of excellence when you win and you play best two out of three. So whoever collects the most seals of excellence wins and you use camels to sort of collect more resources, but it's a very quick Simple game, great with two players, really fun. Really fun. Really wonderful artwork, bright colors, tiny box. It has a pink inside. Whoever designed that packaging did a great job. Yeah, it's a really nice package. It's a beautiful And you can package. play it with anyone, your best friend to your mother to your college roommate. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Is that somebody you kind of care about, but yeah, you don't, don't really know. care about? Somebody you're that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And then Cribbage. Yes, that is my game of choice. It goes back to my uh, old lady like card games, but Cribbage is so fun and so easy. Um, I've been playing it actually a lot this entire year. I forgot all about it until we found a Cribbage board. It can be played, I think, two to four people, and Mm. um, it's sort of a card game where you are trying to gain points, and there's many ways to gain points, and a lot of time you forget about them. Um, like playing doubles or playing off of what somebody just played. Uh, But a lot of the time it's a game where you're trying to hit 15 or 31 um, with card combinations. So there's lots of adding, but it is so fun. And there's sort of a race around the track. Um, And there's a certain line almost at the end of the game. I think it's around 60 or 80 points 
uh, that's called the skunk line. And if you beat someone there, you've skunked them. And so it's like this old timey game. It's super fun. But <laughs> I do have a courage board too. Yeah. Is that that weird yeah. little thing with the pegs? Yep. 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 Oh, <laughs> it's so pleasant. It's like nice to play. It's a fun little game. Yeah, it is fun, it is. And, it, and it's popular two players, but it's it's great with four people too. Yeah, they actually. Game. I think at Patina and a bunch of other like cute stores, they have lots of like themed cribbage boards, lots of ship shaped. That's really yeah, funny. Yeah, so it's funny. really cute. So what what's the the one that I know you've been waiting for this entire time? Yeah, lately I've gotten super into Netrunner. It's called, actually called Android Netrunner, and it is a two-player card game, head-to-head, where one person is a corporation protecting their valuable agendas and, and information, and the other player is a cool cyber hacker who is making cyber runs on their information, trying to steal <laughs> their information. It's really cool. It's a really thematic game. I instantly fell in love with it thanks to the theme, and it took me back to my 7th or 8th grade days of reading Neuromancer and Snow Crash and all sorts of these cyberpunk books. And it it just like drips theme. And when you talk about it, you sound so ridiculous because you're like, and then I pulled something from my stack and went for a run and broke through his ice with my barrier icebreaker and I (laughs) scored an agenda and then I, you know, all sorts of things. And you're just saying all these ridiculous things. But in the context of the game, once you learn it, it makes so much sense that it really couldn't be any other way. It just works. I love it, and I've been playing it a lot. Chris has been talking about this. We were having a conversation in the car about how he's like, I was wondering why this was so familiar, and he's like, this whole entire world is like a direct channel from this. this yeah, like- it inspired me to go back and actually start the Sprawl trilogy by William Gibson again, which is Neuromancer, Count Zero, and Mona Lisa Overdrive. Everything from those books, as pulpy and silly and funny and awesome as they are, is like translated perfectly into android netrunner so so you can tell whoever made those was like oh yeah yeah even down to like the names of the cards have like callbacks to these books and movies and things like that so it's pretty amazing so definitely that's when you would say people should. and it's a phenomenal game like even without the theme it would be an amazing game so i definitely recommend if you've been thinking about getting into android netrunner which is a intimidating thing to get into i think because it's very competitive. They have, you know, tournaments and all sorts of stuff. I would recommend it because it's really, really great. I hear that Francesca likes to be the corporation for She only likes to play, she she doesn't even try to play the hackers. She only wants to be corporations (laughs) for some reason, which I feel like is the weirdest. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I like how you're like, yeah, there's a corporation and then there's a cool cyber hacker with those. Yeah, they're the ones who are awesome. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. And so as the night wears on and you've played all these games... Your friend goes away or goes to bed, and you are left <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> you are left with your lonely self to play games because for some reason you still want to play some games. So which games would you play? Well, the great thing about cooperative games is all almost every cooperative game can be played solo. So Pandemic is actually a great solo solo-able Solo, lolo-able. Lolo-able. <laughs> a great game to play solo. Um, Eldritch Horror is also a great game to play solo. Um, but specifically, there's a game called Friday, which is a very simple little... It's just the tiniest little deck-building game, and you actually... Friday from Robinson Crusoe trying to survive on the island. And it's a pretty charming little game. The artwork kind of threw me off a little bit. It's not the greatest artwork i've ever seen but it's kind of charming after you play it a couple times and at first you're this bumbling idiot who can't even like make a fire and then by the end you're doing all sorts of epic things so i think it's a really cute little game it's a, in a very small little package you can play it it's 100 percent solo there's no is multi- it a good gift you think if you if you think that your gift yeah it is a good gift if you think that whoever you're going to give a gift to will play solo games because i think it does take a special devoted person to play solo games <laughs> Um, and then the other one I'll recommend is Onirim, which is about going through your dreams and it's got, it's a very abstract game. You're just going through your dreams, collecting keys, but it's a very, uh, they just made a new reprint of it a little while ago and it is a gorgeous little package. Like it's on the level of, it's above Jaipur as far as its presentation goes. So really? yeah. Wow. So, um, so I would check out Ona- Onirim and it is, yeah, it's a good one. It's also a very quick game. So That's awesome. We've been talking about games for the past year. You guys have heard us through the last podcast. We talked about all the game nights that come up. And Chris has this massive collection. We only talked about you know a handful of the stuff that we thought was worth it. But of all the games that we've mentioned today, these are some of 
the best games. And so again, like as you're going to go spend time with your families or friends or you have get togethers, uh, consider grabbing one of these. I think, you know, we're besides the fact that we like playing games, we also are huge advocates of people that create all of the art and all of the gameplay for these, um, especially having made a couple games in the past. It's a really interesting and very complex, like, um, project and so i think you guys would really appreciate some of the stuff that people are doing if you haven't gotten into board games yet it's it's really fun it's really good stuff so we do have again just to remind you we have a game night coming up this wednesday i know we talked about it in the beginning just a quick reminder so and it's wednesday 7 sorry six thirty to 9 30 p.m chris probably even though it's called stay frosty he'll probably have a bunch of these other games here yep. so if you want to test drive them if you want to see what they're like they'll all be here a couple other things coming up. On the 21st, we have a cookie party. Jenny has said this is the number six. I think it's number six. Number six cookie party of all time. Not in history, <laughs> but with, with us. And so we're asking everybody that is interested in sweets to come and bring a batch of cookies over between 1 and 3 p.m. And then bring a big old container or a brig brig a big new container and fill it with an assortment of cookies from all over the place. Um, Everybody's bringing something different. If you want, you go to our Facebook page and claim a cookie type. Uh, I am bringing old timey thumbprints for grandmas and for people that like grandmas. I'm bringing golden graham based s'mores, a marshmallowy chocolatey s'morey bar. And I am bringing mystery cookies. We will see. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of stuff. So um, it's always a lot of fun. We've got hot cocoa, coffee, tea, cold, ice cold milk, and then uh, lots of festivities. We decorated the whole place too. So if you want to just come and have some some festive times, that'll be uh, 1 to 3 p.m. on the 21st. So it's a Sunday. So get all your cookies. Bring them to your friends afterwards. It'll be great. So it's an open to all invitation. Uh, No need to sign up, but if you want to, let us know you're coming. Just head to the Facebook page. So check the blog, actually. We have been talking about it for weeks and weeks. We finally got a call for art up. We have Boss Rush. It is a celebration of all the bad guys and all the amazing battles. So yeah. as you guys know, we've been talking about games for a while. And it's definitely one of our favorite topics to make and to play. And so if you want to be involved in that, it's actually a show that's coming out in March. But to be involved... Go to the blog and drop us your links to your website and your email and your name and let us know that you're interested in that particular show. And we're going to be jurying around the first of the year. And so all the dates for when the cutoff deadline is and uh, what other information you might want to know about the show is all on blog.lightgrayartlab.com. We also very soon will be dropping a second call for art. So keep an eye open for a show that precedes our Boss Rush show. Again, may not be secret by the time you hear this, but it is very important that you know these details. Again, all that stuff will be along the sidebar. So if you listen to this later and can't find it, just take a look on the right side of the blog and you'll see the the side tags and click on there. So where can people find us, Chris? Like you said, you can find us on our blog, blog blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook. You'll be able to find out about all our events there. You can follow us on Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. So thanks again, you guys, for listening to our 12... Plus games of, games of twelve thousand <laughs> games of Christmas or whatever we just did. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy playing these, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye.